Ladies and gentlemen, a very warm welcome to this special podcast. Before we dive right in, I'd like to ask our special guest, Benga, to introduce himself and set the context for today's discussion. Benga, let's meet you. My name is Benga Cheson. I am the executive director of Paradigm Initiative, and I'm grateful to Miss Zimbabwe and the Namibia Media Trust for inviting me to contribute this podcast to the Windwork at30 celebrations. The celebrations present a unique opportunity not just to review the Windwork Declaration of 1991, but to enjoy the benefit of hindsight mm-hmm. over the past 30 years while also looking at the next 30 so we can learn and maximize opportunities. Thank you, Benga. 30 years is indeed a very long time. But let's start from the beginning. What was Africa like back in 1991 tech-wise and how did we get to this point where social media platforms are collecting huge data and have also become the destination for news and more? For instance, I probably don't go into newspapers or news channels anymore. It's I sourced my news from social media. Speaking of 1991, that was the first time I saw a computer, <laughs> you know, uh, and I remember very clearly that I was denied access because the teacher was more concerned about making sure the computer wasn't destroyed uh, than allowing students to learn. True. It was it was a time in Africa's history where, you know, computing and the internet were quite low in terms of their prevalence. In fact, there were 0.001% of Africans who used the internet at the time. Wow. If you compare that with 39.3% of us that are using it now, then you would know what it felt like then. That was the time when we talked a lot about plug and play, not plug and play. You plug uh, and pray that it should work, <laughs> not now when you just plug uh, and play. Between 2000 and 2021, to show you how much growth we've seen, we had 12,975% growth in terms of internet users. 130 times. Interesting. That was about the same period from 1990 to 1993 when the Pan-African Development Information System uh, implemented a pilot project in electronic networking in Africa where they were able to link 18 African universities. At about the same time, just, just a little later in 1996, the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa uh, started work on the African Information Society Initiative, which was basically you know, an action framework uh, that was a basis for information and communication technology activities in Africa. Mm. It was part of uh, this initiative that, you know, uh, promoted the NICI policies, the National Information and Communication Infrastructure Policies, hmm. from 1999 to about 2006. And, of course, it continues uh, to date. But that was about a period when I was uh, quite involved, between 2004 and 2006 in particular, when I was the vice chair of the African Technical Advisory Committee, wow. uh, as appointed by the UNECA. And, and when you look at what we had then and what we have now, you, you, you can see the growth, not only in the application of technology in media, but actually the growth of big tech uh, itself on the continent. Mm. If you look at one of the first, uh, you know, recognizable social media website, which was Six Degrees, it was established in 1997. Uh, you know, Six Degrees basically enabled users to upload their profile and to make friends with other users, which basically is what social networking is. Uh, a year later, Google was established in 1998. 
1999 we began to see a lot of you know if you blogging websites uh, a year later was the popular y2k when everything was definitely going to go digital and <laughs> my space uh, the precursor to facebook and the many others uh, was established in 2003 just a year before facebook's 2004 uh, debut YouTube was established in 2005 and Twitter in 2006. Mm. And so when you look at all of those things that happened then, you can begin to understand why in the last 30 years, between 1991 and now, we've had a lot of growth in tech, uh, you know, in, including what, you know, you will call big tech, where there's a lot of data involved, there's a lot of analysis, and we're able to do things a lot more accurately. Wow, fascinating. First time I'm hearing about 60 Greece. Thanks for shedding light on how we got here. It sounds like you've been around the block a bit. Well, quite a lot, actually. So do you consider the impact of tech and big tech in particular to be positive, especially for Africa? Of course, this is 2021. The fact that we now have a lot of power and might in big tech has explained why big tech in a way not just even in a way big tech is very influential when it comes to elections in fact there are elections uh you know that you know uh, countries have accused other countries of influencing their elections uh to turn a certain way using social media mm -hmm. and we can't all forget many of the scandals we've heard of over the last few years the fact that we also have social media platforms uh -huh. that have populations that are you know bigger than those of nations we used to think china and india were great you know where countries with many people, and then we met Facebook. That's 2.8 billion people uh, use Facebook every month actively. You even now have social media platforms that have a lot more following than inspirational, you know, inspiring figures or politicians. In those days, you used to, you know, think of, you know, fig people who were inspiring and politicians, and they had a lot of following. They will come to a, you know, stadium, they will speak, and you will, you know, see crowds come in. But guess what? Yeah. Instagram, its own handle on its platform has 389 million followers. And when you begin to look at all of this, this, of course, have, you know, impacted both positively and negatively. In terms of rights and freedoms on the continent, you will see that we've even seen things like misinformation, like, like dangerous speech, which have become excuses for governments to then clamp down on the rights of citizens. But let's make no mistake. The media has always been the anchor of freedom of expression and has been the platform that has always helped us to monitor rights violations by either state or non-state actors. Sure. And so it is no surprise that social media, which itself is some form of media that takes advantage of the powers of technology. Uh, it may not have as much professionalism, it may not have as much experience, but it has the power of data behind it. And that's why it has become a platform that we use to express ourselves very freely. And, and we're not even surprised that rights and freedoms have come under attack by governments, Yeah. right? But of course, they don't work alone. They work with people in the private sector to enforce disruptions. When you hear there's an internet shutdown in the country, Typically, you will hear that some telcos have enabled the shutdown. Of course, there are times when some telcos push back, but the beauty of technology is that while it enables things like surveillance, which the state carries out at times illegally, mm -hmm. 
while it enables disruptions, it also allows for circumvention. So a government shuts down the internet, but citizens are still able to access networks because there are circumvention tools. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's really about how we deploy tech for good and we remain watchful of excesses. If you look at Payne's annual report, we published an annual report, uh, you know, on digital rights and inclusion on the continent of Africa. And since 2016, we can see the trends are getting worse. And the reason is very simple, because a lot more citizens are beginning to use platforms to voice their opinion and to speak against the wrong things being done by government. And in turn, governments are clamping down Mm -hmm. and violations are getting worse. But at about the same time, we have seen that citizens are taking action using technology, either through circumvention or data gathering that they will then use to go to court to sue governments. And some cases have been won. Yeah, that's true. You know, that is exciting. The good news is that, you know, many organizations have now been able to take advantage of technology to not just monitor to see what's going on, Mm -hmm. but also to be able to take action and to push back in case of government or even non-state actor excesses. Uh, An example is the reporty platform that Paradigm Initiative and partners are working on to allow people to, you know, citizens in any country across the continent to become vigilant. It's for community vigilance, for solution and reporting. If there is a violation, uh, you know, against your rights that you have witnessed or, you know, against your rights or against, you know, another person's rights that you have witnessed, you can report on the platform. There are partners who are legal experts who will pick up the case and make sure that they are able to help you seek redress. Wow. I'm sure many of our listeners are excited about the idea of a platform that will put them in the driver's seat of justice. Thank you very much. Now, social media is one of the major expressions of big tech, and it will be interesting to hear your take on the role social media has played in meeting Africa's needs in governance and more. You know, before 1999, just around around the time after 1991, when the Windwork Declaration uh, came to be, before 1999, social mobility in Africa was frozen. There were a few activists that we outsourced protests and concerns to. There were those activists that when something went wrong, we would look forward to when they would lead protests. Many of us buried our heads in the sand. We waited for the leading activists to take action. But with the arrival of democratized communication in the early 2000s, thanks, of course, to mobile telephony, many of us who were already angry because we saw that there were many things being done by governments that were not right, that anger found its way through telecommunication networks. People began to discuss issues. There's poor power supply in my country. There are terrible roads. You, you know, an example uh, in, in, in Kenya was uh, what is a road? An example in Nigeria at the time was a conversation uh, about, you know, power, light up Nigeria. Uh, we complained about miseducation. We complained about, you know, shameful healthcare status. Our leaders travel abroad to get healthcare support while at home. Uh, they don't even pay the, the healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Bad governance generally. Social mobility found an ally in telecommunications liberalization. And by the time we saw a lot of progress in telecommunications and access to the internet, we saw that about 
you know, 2008, between 2007 and 2009, when social media networks began to connect more voices, mm. of course, many of those platforms had been established in 2004. Mm-hmm. But 2008 was about a time when a lot of Africans began to use social media a lot more actively. And of course, you know, we connected more voices on similar issues. You were complaining in your own small group. I was complaining in my own small group. But because we had various platforms, we could connect Mm. on similar issues. On freezing of social mobility in Africa grew. The media was also able to take advantage of this. And this is the great alliance between tech mm-hmm. and media. Or you may want to even call it big tech and media. By 2009, we began to see clear demonstrations of anger finding exit through platforms like BlackBerry Messenger, remember them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Facebook and even more. Uh, Organization for Action enjoyed these tools. I remember that many of the activities that I was part of in Nigeria in 2009-2010, uh, many of us had BBM charts to, to connect, to say, let's meet in Abuja uh, to, to do this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I remember... Conversations we used to have only on mailing lists uh, in 2003, 2004. But by the time it was 2009, we could use the power of, you know, technology of social media to connect better. In fact, in 2010, uh, the protests in Nigeria, you know, which was against a president who died uh, while he was in office and the vice president uh, was not made president, as the constitution said, almost like a constitutional crisis. So there were protests in Nigeria in 2010. Uh, the same time, around the same time, the Arab Spring, they all found friends in social media connections. You won't forget uh, some of the conversation in Egypt around how Facebook was used in Tunisia. This was the power of big tech coming in alliance with the media and citizen action. Mm-hmm. By 2011, in Nigeria, for example, when we were having elections, you could see when citizens developed, like you know, myself and a few other colleagues mm. developed what was called Revoda, uh, a mm-hmm. registered voter database. That was a play on what Revoda, registered voter database. It basically was a mobile app that used social media mm. to allow you to gather information from polling units without waiting for the good old election observers. Mm -hmm. Social media enabled tools allowed people to find out that, okay, now this is the result in my polling unit. I've taken a picture, I've tabulated the result, and I can begin to see, even before the end of elections, where the direction is going. So that if someone tries to play smart, I can tell that something uh, had gone wrong. We were called many names. You know, people called uh, a lot of young people who were using technology at the time, uh, you know, in, in political participation. They were called clicktivists. That this was a new generation of people who were too scared to get on the streets and hid behind their phones. But it was that a group had found exit in the opportunity to use these tools. They had been silent, but they found opportunities to use these tech tools that allowed them to safely, almost anonymously, Mm -hmm. give outlet to their anger and to their expressions as they wanted without taking the risk that the, you know, the activists we used to outsource Mm -hmm. our anger and our, you know, agitations to, were used to. And this was a good thing because if you look at the trend of things, 
It grew. By 2012, the people that were called clicktivists were the people who went on the streets in countries like Nigeria, uh, in Senegal. In Nigeria, for example, Occupy Nigeria was in 2012, where social media proved extremely useful in amplifying the issues, in connecting angry, citizen, angry citizens to mutual expression, and to even report organized action live. You didn't have to wait. I remember very clearly, you know, you would get a phone call. The BBC would say, let's interview you at 3 o'clock. But you didn't have to wait for the BBC. Mm. You didn't have to wait for the Nigerian Telecom, I mean, Television Authority. You didn't have to wait for a TV station. You went live on Twitter. You went live on Facebook and reported what was going on. The same year, Yenamare, which happened in Senegal. You know, Senegalese rappers, artists, activists, and journalists, media people, critical opposed president what is you know third term run and by the time you could see all of this conversation on social media you could see that it wasn't just about social media it wasn't just Yenamaria, you know hashtag it was in reality by the way the same hashtag was used in guinea uh, against president Conde's. guess what third term attempt there is something about african uh, leaders and overstaying their term but that is not the topic of our conversation uh, today. Awesome, awesome. I must say, this is a really interesting summary of what many have dubbed the hashtag movement in Africa. So, let me allow you to take us beyond 2012, which was a clearly, clearly significant year to where we are today. When you continue to look at what began, you know, what continued to happen, by 2014, uh, the That's Enough or the Citizen Broom uh, campaign, you know, uh, it was called Sasofit, which is, uh, of course, uh, my French isn't great, mm -hmm. but that's, that's enough, which is very similar to what happened in Nigeria in 2010, four years before, which was called Enough is Enough. It was about the same thing that happened uh, in 2014. Uh, there was Le Ballet uh which was the citizen's broom, you know, literal translation, which was the first time since the Arab Spring uh, that a popular movement mm -hmm. managed to unseat an African president. Of course, this was our wonderful story from Burkina Faso, when young people organized over social media against the then-president, uh, who, of course, was planning to change the constitution to allow him to run for another two terms. Something about this guy, something about the water uh, in African presidential palaces. He wanted to extend his 27-year tenure. The hashtags and the power of social media and big tech meeting with the citizen journalism and the beauty of media power was not only for politics. It was also for causes that meant a lot to us than politics. Mm. 2014, bring back our girls in Nigeria. 300 girls kidnapped by terrorists and the government was going to sweep it under the carpet. But citizens said, no, bring back our girls. You know, uh, I remember joining the campaign at the time, uh, which ended me, uh, ended, you know, with me having to be invited by Nigeria's notorious uh, secret service. But as soon as I got their letter, their invitation, mm -hmm. they had stomped my office when I wasn't there. Oh, wow. uh, you know, I went on social media and announced. I am going to the Secret Service office. You know, people were scared. Oh, my mm. God, people go into that office and disappear and things like that. And for the two hours or so that I was in there, thankfully, you know, different contacts at 
put in the work, you know, from lawyers to diplomatic institutions. But the beauty of social media was such that by the time I was, I'd spent two hours there and no one had heard from me because I tweeted that when I come out, I'll, I'll tweet again. They, you know, were already mobilizing citizens, young people were already mobilizing to come to this dreaded place to come and ask for this one of them who was missing. Social media was helpful. Big data is extremely important in this conversation because one of the reasons why politicians react to things is numbers. And when the numbers grow, when the pressure grows, they react. South African students shut down every major university to protest rising tuition fees in 2015. Fees must fall, another hashtag. But not just the hashtag, but the representation of the power of big tech, Mm. social media, media opportunities Mm. and citizens working hand in hand to Mm -hmm. create change. 2016 was a beautiful year for Gambians. From January to November, it was tough. But December 1, Gambians voted out a 22-year-old dictator. Let me say that again. He wasn't 22 years old. (laughs) He had spent 22 years as a dictator. Mm. Mr. Jame. And Gambia has decided was that hashtag that was used to celebrate his exit. Mm. 2020 was, you know, the, the year of the lockdown was also the year of anger and protests across the continent. From Zimbabwe, Zimbabwean Lives Matter, to Congo is bleeding, to shut it all down Namibia, mm. to end Anglophone crisis, or to end SARS in Nigeria. All of these campaigns were things that took advantage of the power of social media, that took advantage of the power of independent media, that took advantage of meeting Africa's political and livelihood needs. And I think that this is really important when we talk about the 30 years that we have spent from the Windward Declaration, because it is about the power of of independent media. And this is the power of independent citizen media who have realized that, guess what? This is possible if we take action. This is 2021. And while many governments have now reacted by, you know, shutting down the internet uh, in Uganda, in Gambia, you know, in, in many of the countries where the internet has been shut down because the governments are scared mm. of, you know, the conversation being online. In Ethiopia, you know, in Tanzania, in various countries where they have been pushed back, not just, you know, Network disruptions, not just internet shutdowns, but serious pushback by governments. I have one interesting update for all the governments that are thinking, oh my God, these young people are too many. Well, the good news is that as more citizens get online and they see what's possible on social media, on the same social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, in email messages on YouTube, we're beginning to see how young political leaders across the world, women, are leading their countries out of terrible times, mm. out of tough times. Mm-hmm. The question then is, why can't this happen in our own countries? As we begin to make that comparison, pressure will increase. Maybe there will even be a lot of political participation from young people because now the barrier to entry will become much lower there will be major pushback because guess what? The people have tasted power. That is the power of big tech 
when it is put to great use by citizens in various African countries. And of course, you can tell that this is a major lesson that we have learned, you know, not just from the media, but from independent media, which of course, much of this was made possible because of all the efforts that went in into the Windward Declaration and all of the amazing things that have been done between then and now. In the next 30 years, when it comes to big tech, when it comes to independent media, when it comes to social media, when it comes to citizens, we will see three key things come to play. Number one, we will see massive education and awareness for citizens and for other stakeholders. Gone are the days when government literally controlled information. Uh, it was government-controlled radio stations, government-controlled telecommunications networks. Now we have a lot of independent media. And even if many of them are scared of what government could do to their licenses, there is the power of big tech that has liberalized communications and has allowed people to speak up. And that way, a lot more information will be shared. People will find more creative ways of sharing information. A whole constitution broken down into small to snippets of infographics. Uh, Paradigm Initiative converted our 70 plus page report of 2019 into a 19-minute short film, mm. uh, Training Day, which was really, really, really helpful uh, in reaching people that we would not normally reach. So number one that will happen is that we will see a lot more citizen awareness creation. Number two is that we will see a lot of push through. You know, many years ago, it was easy for you to start taking action and then to give up because you were tired and because you thought to yourself, oh my God, I think I'm the only one working on this thing. How am I going to do it? But now when you work, you will see other people. You will use, you know, and that, by the way, is the power of hashtags. You use your hashtag, bring back our girls. Somebody else uses the hashtag. And when you look at the global map mm. of where these hashtags are being used and where action is being taken, you have the power to come together, mm -hmm. to work together, and be able to achieve a lot more. That's and because right. of that, you'll be inspired to continue and to push through. And this is, of course, very related to the fourth thing I think is going to happen, which is collaboration. Because of the power of big, big tech from Algeria to Zimbabwe and every country in between, we're going to see a lot more young people and not young people, men, women, boys, girls, and those who identify otherwise come together and use the power of big tech to ask questions, to make demands of their governments, to celebrate excellence and to do and you know demonstrate how what needs to be done should be done. That was so informative and fascinating. It's a shame we have to round up now. Benga, any last words? Once again, I'd like to thank the Mr. Zimbabwe and Namibia Media Trust for inviting me to contribute to the Windwaker 30 celebrations with this podcast. And I look forward to reading, to watching, to listening you know, to all of the materials that we generated during this period. And more importantly, I look forward to the next 30 years of the power of tech in citizen media across the African continent. Thank you. Benga Sheson from Paradigm Initiative signing off. Thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation, Benga. I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. And I invite everyone to share widely. 
For more information about the Windwork at 30 celebrations, please follow Misa Zimbabwe. That's M-I-S-A, Misa Zimbabwe, and Namibia Media Trust Online. Thank you for listening and see you next time.